does it feel to be in the MENA top 50? It's pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's really nice to be recognized after such a roller coaster of yeah. COVID for the last two years. Yeah. So it's special. Um, we work our ass off. Yeah. So for us, this was something that, you know, all of our hard work kind of paid off. And, you know, it's a small rec it's a, it's mm. a small recognition. Um, actually, it's a big recognition. Rather. Yeah, it's massive, dude. Yeah. MENA top 50. Think about how many people live in MENA, how many countries are in MENA, how many restaurants are in yeah. MENA. Like, it's a massive accomplishment. You know, and when, we, when we're in hospitality, we're always looking at researching, getting inspired from different restaurants. Yeah. And I'm always looking at different lists. And there's always the 50 best that yeah. you look at. And you yeah. always, like, you know, you look at um, where you want to be or where yeah. you aspire to be. And we didn't really think... Indochine or we never planned for this. Mm. You know, some people plan and open a restaurant to become. Say I'm going to be. Oh, they want. Uh, I'm going to be. You know, they pull out all the stops and they yeah. say, this is what our goal is. We're, we want to be on the world's 50 mm. best and they get like a, an insane chef and they're, mm. and then they, you know, um, and they plan for it. Mm. And for us, we just plan and put our heart and soul into opening a really cool restaurant, something that we loved. Yeah. Um, and this came, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. So that kind of made it even more special. Mm. And now it's kind of driving us to do even better. Yeah. and driving us to like you know um keep going and keep yeah. pushing how important is it to uh love the concept the restaurant like how important is it to say i love what this concept is gonna be versus saying oh i really want to get i think there's a sp there's a space for vietnamese french fusion right in the restaurant game like in yeah, yeah. honestly if you ask me to if you if you have that bit of doubt yeah if you're not 100% sure of what you're going to do and it, that you love it, I wouldn't do it. The restaurant game is way too difficult. Yeah. The competition's too fierce. There's too much out there. People are spoiled for choice. Mm. If you don't 100% believe in what you're doing, that it's going to be successful, even when you 100% believe it, there's still a, a large percentage of the fact that you might not make it or yeah. it might not work. Yeah. So you damn better well believe that it's what you're going for is, yeah. is, is 100%. Yeah. But I guess the question is, believing in there's a space for Vietnamese, like there's a French niche, fusion, yeah, right? Yeah. Or Jamaican, sure. right? With like Lily's, with what you guys did with Lily's. Both yeah. of those were like, there was no lookalike restaurants right. at the time. Versus one thing you guys have done well, you and, and uh, your partner, uh, Khalid Dahmash. One thing that I think you guys have done well from the outside looking in is you guys think of the restaurant in the context of what is the vibe what is what kind of person is going to walk through the door here right right and you right. build around that right yeah. and you guys flex you guys flex uh, flex in the context of entrepreneurship not flex in the contracts of, of like, millennials and, yeah. and uh you guys adapt yourselves to that so you guys can go upscale very quickly in terms of how you think about your clientele you guys can go more um, more hip and cool. I think, but there is that kind of underlying theme of like cool, right? In your vibe, in I, your restaurant. I think, I think for us, how we approached it is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, at least with Miss Lily's at yeah. the beginning, yeah. because we graduated from. Uh, I was in Boston, lived some time in New York. Uh, KD was in um, Toronto. And when we came back, and we looked at the Dubai scene, it was so growing rapidly. There was a lot of restaurants, but they were really big and high end and you know, glitzy and, 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 and whatnot. And we like to think that we're our own demographic, mm. plain and simple. So you make restaurants that you want to go to. I mean, that's how we started. We're like, yeah. where would I want to go? Where would we want to go out and, and, you know, hang out with friends and chill? Yeah. Like there's no cute, small place that you can, that's casual and accessible price point that you can go for a drink with friends and not necessarily go clubbing, mm. you know, to a, to a nightclub with sparklers and all that stuff. Cause we're not into that, but um, something a little bit more low key, but still super fun. And we can stay the whole night. Mm. And Lily's is something that we fell in love with in New York. Mm. And we thought it would be the perfect fit for Dubai. Um, although a lot of people didn't think so at the time. They were like, Jamaican Yeah, restaurant. I mean, they everyone like, in crazy. the beginning was like, Jamaican, who's yeah. going to eat Jamaican? Yeah, Dubai? they're like, are you, are you crazy? You're opening a Jamaican restaurant? But we really believed in it. Um, and yeah, and we did it. And, th and then for Indochine, I guess... I guess it was a progression of ourselves, maybe five, you know, five years later, four like years you, later. You guys maturing. We got a little bit older. Yeah. We thought, you know what, let's, let's do something that's kind of cut from the same cloth in the sense that like all the, the essence of what Miss Lee's was, the personable staff, the really cool feeling, um, you know, the great service, all that's still there. However, it's a little bit more elevated. It has that downtown New York chic feeling. Mm. 
and that's how we you know we, we got Indochine. No. And that's what we wanted to do. One thing sometimes when people are on the outside looking in at entrepreneurs, very it's it's binary a lot of times I feel. Is they're like this entrepreneur is successful, this entrepreneur didn't make it. And the reality is behind closed doors, the entrepreneurial story is like just one of ups and downs, ups yeah. and downs. And so you guys launched um, Indochine, what, three, four months before the pandemic hit? Three months, about two and a half. Yeah, great time to open a restaurant. Amazing time. Yeah, I couldn't have planned it better. Yeah, you guys, it's like you guys said, let's throw our challenge our way intentionally yeah. and just... We're like, oh, this is too easy. Let's do something yeah, difficult. Yeah, Musili's killed it. Let's go do uh, yeah, something that's going to be, yeah, something that's going to be really tough to do. That was tough, man. Um, and who would have thought? And you guys started on a really big high, right? Because it was great. You guys had, um, you guys didn't have a restaurant, but you guys had Gucci confirmed that. Uh, no, so I'll tell you how that worked. Yeah. It was it was a really fun story. Yeah. So, um, Dubai's full of events and yeah. full of. Um, parties and if you want to be so super social you can be yeah there's stuff you know every night of the week on the calendar and we're not really into going to all these things um but however we were privileged enough to get invited to some of these parties and one of them was gucci yeah and we went and they threw a really kick-ass party with a cool crowd mm. and they pull out all the stops and it was it was nice it wasn't the typical dubai yeah. um scene yeah um so when we launched indochine Similar to, to Lily's, we wanted to launch it in a way that was a bit unique, out of the box, to kind of create some hype um, and garner some attention, right? So for Indochine, what we thought was, because it's very fashion-oriented, it's glamorous, um, we said, what better way than to kind of tie up with a really top-tier fashion uh, brand and see if we can collaborate somehow. Yeah. So we happened to know um, some of the girls who worked at Gucci, so we went up to them before opening, and we said, hey, you know, if things align and the timing works out, would you consider throwing your annual party at Indochine? And they were like, you're opening. And I'm like, we'll show you the renders. We'll give you first look. So at this point, you didn't have like an actual restaurant to take them and show So them. we showed them a laptop with the render <laughs> and said, this is what we want to do. Yeah. We're building it. Yeah. And this is the timeline. Yeah. Um, would you be really interested? And they loved it. They said, look, we <clears throat> Indochine's in New York. They're synonymous with all the best fashion brands. Yeah. I think it's a cool idea. And, um, and then we went to build and kept in touch. And towards the very end, they, you know, they came up to us and they're like, hey, it's working out. We spoke to our vice president, whatever, they're down um, for a party in, I think it was November 26th or something like that. Are you guys ready for it? And we were, you know, we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, let's do it. And we look at each other and we're, we're delayed a bit. Yeah. Um, the restaurant's not complete. And we're just pulling all-nighters and we're going, and going, and going. We're, it was ridiculous, right? Yeah. And But we go ahead and we, we confirm with them. They get the guest list out. And our business partners from New York were in town, which are amazing, Serge and Jean-Marc. And, you know, they we look at them as mentors. But what they were there and helping us, you know, and just going through the, the, the trenches with us and doing everything with it was, it was really, really nice to have that support too. Yeah. And we were building. And uh, there were so many different ups and downs, that thing. I think we cried probably a couple of times. We started like cheering for joy the liquor license didn't come on time i don't even know there was a sheikh who passed away which delayed things and at the very end we decided we, we managed to make it we got everything in line they had an amazing guest list they flew down Majid jordan the r&b duo and um we opened with gucci to throw a private party in industry as the first look to everybody like 200 people and the restaurant wasn't fully complete so if you went there now and you went there before, if you looked at the details, there are definitely things that we did after the party, but it was enough for people to just really love it and enjoy it. Yeah. And no one's looking at the details, right? And that's what Serge, our business partner, kept saying. He's like, it's cool. It looks beautiful. Don't stress about the small stuff. Yeah. He's like, just throw a kick-ass party. We're yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. And we did. And it was amazing. Yeah. And all the right people came. Maja Jordan performed. It was really special. We, me and KD looked at each other with like, you know, emotional cheers. in the middle of the party. We were like, <laughs> cheers, I love you, bro. You're like, oh my God, that was, it was amazing. Mm. It was a crazy ride, but, um, but we did it. Yeah. And we paused and then we opened Indochine. There's always this conflict. Um, I think when, you, when someone's first becoming an entrepreneur, um, one of the things that you start to develop with time uh, uh, as an instinct is when you smell an opportunity, I don't want to say oversell, but say 
I'm going to sell a vision of, of what's there, even though it's not ready. And then if someone buys into the vision, work my ass off to build it. So okay. almost create the demand. Before you do the product? Before, before, before the supply is ready, right? And that's why I love that story. Because, you know, there's no bigger way to open the restaurant. Majid Jordan, uh, Gucci, uh, exclusive event. Yeah. And, you know, there's no better way to kick off the, the opening. And the reason I love that story is because, you, you know, as I'm listening to you talk about it is, you know, these renders <laughs> on the laptop. <laughs> it's crazy. When the rest, I remember the restaurant, I remember calling you and you guys were, lifting some crane oh my, oh my gosh the ifc at five in the our contractor so yeah. we have these huge planter boxes right yeah. that, that for the plants yeah. and these big trees and the the contract how big like like how two meters long they were yeah. concrete yeah. you know just heavy heavy things yeah. and the contractor delayed and they yeah. couldn't get it there on time so katie and i were looking at each other we're like we have this party what are we going to do mm. and all these big concrete things they don't fit in the lift yeah. and we didn't plan that so we're like what do we do so we had to call a, uh, someone to help us get a crane and the only time that a we had to get approval from security of the ifc yeah. get this crane there okay and the only time we got clearance because they have to close the road and do a small road closure yeah was at five in the morning so at five in the morning we're sitting there in the middle of the ifc in the square yeah. with the crane and these huge concrete <laughs> things are swinging <laughs> and if, if the one, one mistake and it just bashes through the glass or something we're done yeah, yeah. like forget about opening we're finished the is going to close us yeah and we get the concrete uh boxes there the planner boxes they get into the restaurant and it was it was ridiculous and then one so you know everybody who knows dubai it's difficult to get a liquor license yeah unless you're part of a you know designated area mm -hmm. hotel or whatever but even so when you do there's approvals in this mm -hmm. process and all that stuff mm -hmm. and when you go and you apply for the liquor license you apply with all the papers, mm. all the documents, everything is completed and it has to be completed. And back in the day, you know, from my experience at Miss Lily's, yeah. when you go for your liquor license, they say, great, thank you very much. They show, you show the pictures. Is the space ready? You're like, yes. Then they could take a month, three weeks, maybe two weeks if you're lucky. Yeah. And you have to keep going to persist. Like, please, please, sir, can I have my, you know, can you come yeah. do the inspection so I can get the clearance so we yeah. can open? So, that was our mindset, right? So we go in advance, preempting they're going to take, what, two weeks, three yeah. weeks? And the restaurant's still pretty much a construction site. Yeah. And I go to the guy, and I sit down with him. I'm like, hi, you know, I'm from Indochine Restaurant. This is the restaurant. And he looked at me, and he was, I think the process changed yeah. from Lily's to now, yeah. or the main guy left. So this much more organized and much more structured. So the guy is very nice. He was like, thank you so much. Everything is here. You have all the paperwork? Cool. He's like, uh, before I left, he's like, you ready? I was like, sorry. He's like, Khalas, you're finished? You're complete? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you sure, huh? Because if I come and it's not ready, then it's problems. I'm going to delay you longer. I was like, no, no, we're done. We're done, man. We're done. It's like, okay. But cool. you thought he'll come in like two weeks. A week. Yeah. I, I thought two weeks, right? Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, it takes ages. It takes yeah. a month. And we yeah. had to plan. Yeah. So we got like, cool. We go back. I'm, uh, and I still remember this day. Yeah. This was nuts. Yeah. We're, this is like five days later. Yeah at site at nine o'clock at night and um where we pull in all day and the place is like it's not it's ready but there's still a lot of like construction stuff that you need to yeah. remove like the yeah. debris and clean up right and it's still there and i remember huddling in a circle and i remember saying guys i have a weird feeling like why is it taking so long to get this garbage out what if the guy comes in in five days or two three days we need to make sure we're ready yeah like yeah 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 we will you know you know we're gonna do it we're gonna do it that same time my phone rings yeah and it's a random number right i pick it up yeah it's a cid officer saying it's indochine i'm like yeah he's like i'm coming now <laughs> bro <laughs> my stomach like i almost threw up yeah right and i'm speaking to him thank god i was speaking to him and i was like um oh we just left it's closed it's so late i'm so yeah, sorry yeah. whatever and as i said he's like really it's closed no one's there and i was like it's closed can you come back um, after the weekend whatever yeah. and my phone dies yeah in the middle of the conversation with so the you, so officer. you don't know if he's coming i or don't not. know if he's coming if he's not yeah. i'm running around katie's running around like circles we're looking at each other yeah. where's a charger where's a charger i run across the dfc screaming yeah. we go to mason the floor next to lpm yeah. ask for a charger so you can call the guy back. call the guy back when i put it in because it hung up yeah. automatically from the 
phone died. It didn't save his number. So we had no idea if he's who he is, <laughs> what it, it was nuts. He didn't come, yeah. thank God. Yeah. But uh, yeah, these are like the little things that happen when you're building something or like, yeah. you know, um, that's very memorable, yeah. but it'll stay with us. And, and then, um, so you guys open crazy high, Gucci, this, that, and then COVID. Yeah, and then COVID. And we got shut down, yeah. locked down for three, three months, which was really tough. It was very brutal. And, you know, ever since then, we've just been kind of um, just trying to survive, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you open a restaurant, you have a very small window of opportunity, I say, mm. um, to make it or to leave a good impression. Mm. And I think we did. But once we closed down, you know, we never. So when you open for like two, we also start with a very small circle. We like to build it properly and organically mm. and get the right crowd in there and make sure that the right people are in the venue. And even if it's not full, it's like you're going in there and it's a really nice awesome crowd right? mm. we want to cater to the creative community mm. that um in difc mm. and because of that reason we never went to the masses just yet mm. before we shut down mm. so when we reopened it was almost like we had to rebuild from scratch mm. which was quite challenging yeah. um, because we had to do with restrictions and we couldn't really show what indochine was fully about mm. with like distances no bars um and all that so mm. so it was tough how do you decide to keep going i mean at what point do you say, uh, you know, in your own psychology between you and yourself, how do you decide that, uh, or between you and your partner, do we keep going, do we keep fighting, do we keep pushing? I think it's it varies for everybody, mm. right? I mean, financial, um, yeah. the financials have a large part to do with that decision-making process. Mm. Mm. I think, you know, if you're able to survive and you're not bleeding money and you're able to kind of just kind of, you know, um, tread for a bit and buckle down until things pick up then you're fine but in another person scenario if you're losing money month by month and the government's not giving you subsidies there's no furlough is then that's the question of how much can you keep pumping in um and lose yeah so that's what happened with tribeca canvas mm -hmm. we had to make that decision then yeah. here we were fortunate enough that you know we're the same consortium of investors and um lily's was successful before so we had a bit of reserve cash flow we were able to kind of just you know get through and support each other both restaurants yeah, yeah i mean so that's one aspect of it the other aspect is like uh me personally right yeah. how do i get up and show up when the world feels like it's crumbling down yeah. right especially after such a big high right yeah and so what kind of conversations do you have to have with yourself what kind of conversations do you have to have with your partner Oh man, there's you know I think I'm I'm very blessed that um, we have each other because um, actually I'm very blessed for my family, my wife, and KD for, and my friends because mm -hmm. like sometimes you need an outlet. Sometimes when things are feeling like the world is ending or there's you're at the rock rock bottom, right? Mm -hmm. There there were times like that when we felt like that when mm -hmm. we when we're sitting with our financial accountant and he's looking at us. He's like, we're in the red and this is really bad. We you know this is the projections. This is our forecast. And we look at each other and we, we're, we're like, what do we do? What's the decision? You just have to be resilient. Mm. If you believe in what in the product, what you have, or you believe in what we, what we created. And we, we were lucky enough to have seen for a very short time frame how cool and successful it, it could be. Mm. I think without that, it would have made the, the de decision a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Right? So for that two months, it was amazing. Mm. Like It was truly something special. So if we always held on to that yeah. and we wanted to get back to that level. Mm. So I had something that I was looking at and mm. I was like, no, no, I mean, we're like, we can get back there and that's just a matter of time or we got to tweak this and buckle down for a bit, but we, we know it's there and it can happen. Mm. So we just kept pushing, kept pushing. Mm. There were mm. times when we were just defeated mm. and there was like, I just, we just yeah. didn't want to go to work. Didn't want to, like, it was, didn't it was tough. Anyone. Didn't want to see anyone. Yeah. Like need a break, but you know, you got to dig down and, you know, with a good support structure, people, um, you know, I think. Yeah, and I think also a big part of it is there's an element of it's bigger than, you know, it's it's about more than the money, right? It's uh, there has to be this greater belief or guiding purpose or principle that drives an entrepreneur during the dark times, right? Because if it's just about, you know, it's just about money you can go do something else right there's a there's a much easier yeah, much way easier to make to, money than to you know i was at, it out i was at dinner um 
yesterday with Anise. Yeah. And he was telling me, he was laughing, we were joking around. He was introducing me to his friend and about restaurants and stuff. Yeah. He's like, Vroon likes likes challenges and he likes to make money really <laughs> difficultly. <laughs> you know? Because we you know we did Tribeca Canvas yeah. together. Yeah. And I think I think that that failure at the beginning of my career in restaurants really also helped fuel me and drive me. Yeah. Um, mentally. Yeah. So t- tell us about that story. So you you were um, you decided to um, start a restaurant in arguably one of the most competitive cities to start yeah. a restaurant in. Uh, I mean, which yeah. Is New now, York City. now that you've, you put it that way. Yeah. Um, uh, in hindsight, no. Look, it was a cool. It was a great learning curve. So after college. I always had this itch that I wanted to do restaurants. I just loved it. Part of my dad's business was restaurants and hospitality. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, I'd be good at it. Um, and Anise, who was one of our mutual best friends, um, we got this opportunity to invest in Morimoto, the Iron Chef in New York. Mm. Um, and we wanted to bring, the idea was to bring Morimoto to Dubai. This was ages ago. And do something in Dubai in our own home court. And, yeah. you know, what I'm doing now, yeah. that was the goal. Okay. But then New York was, they're opening a restaurant there. It's a small one. Maybe it's better to kind of dabble in this and learn the ropes and maybe, you know, get to know him better and start tweaking and then bring him to Dubai. That's mm. That was the idea. And this one, the project's already there. It's a, they have a great location. The rent's grandfathered in, so it's low. It's going to be a cheaper build. So that's not like throw so much money at it. Let's mm. do something small that we can kind of, you know, muster up the cash and put together um, and see how it works. Yeah. So that was what happened. So we invested in, there was like three, four of us who invested in Tribeca Canvas, it was mm. called, with Morimoto. And it was an insane learning curve for us. And I was super naive at the time. I didn't... What did you learn from that experience? I learned how not to do a restaurant. Okay, can you uh, um, the, elaborate? The, yeah, everything from the management to being present. We were passive and silent investors. Mm. So that was one of the biggest lessons learned. If you're getting into this industry and you want to make it happen and you want to make it work, you have to be there all the time, right? Unless you have so much disposable income and you don't mind losing it if it loses. Yeah. But if this is what you want to do, you got to be there. You mm. need to know what's happening. You need to keep your finger on the pulse. You need to, you know, pay attention to every single detail. You can't just sit back and think that someone else is going to run it as good as you want to or what you expect. Because no. it's never going to happen. Mm. And even someone, someone like the Iron Chef, who's so reputable and he's an amazing chef, his team, they didn't have their skin in the game. They didn't, you know, they, they just operated it. And they had their accounting firm in, you know, New Jersey. And mm. they didn't ride the momentum. And when they had a bad review, I didn't see them really being proactive about it. And, you know, I, it was just, it was a mess. Mm. So the restaurant went like that because of the hype. And then it crashed. And it was funny because, like, at one point when we opened, you went there with yeah, us. Yeah. We were so excited. And yeah. we were, uh, it was a, First of all, it was a rocky ride to get it open. Yeah. And we realized we were getting scammed by part of it at the beginning from the, one of the guys who were doing the build. Mm. So that was one problem. And then when we finally got it open, it was really great. We thought we were on top of the world. On top of the world. Yeah. And uh, Pharrell had his Billionaire Boys Club 10th year anniversary at Tribeca Canvas. Yeah. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Pharrell, they all co- showed up. Yeah. So... You're like that made it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. this is it. This yeah. is easy. Like, yeah. you know, I'm 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 a champ. Yeah. You know, we thought we looked at each other like this is sick. Yeah. You know, right off the gates, restaurant yeah. tours, yeah, baby, Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. No chance. Yeah. And then it went like that. And then before you know it, like within the year, it was so short, mm. it just crashes. Mm. And we got a bad review. And then, you know, New York, like you just said, is one of the most fierce competition mm. um environments in the world for restaurants. And we just and then at one point we we're just putting in money and putting in money and putting in money and we had to like, and then I spent some time there because I was like, let's save this investment. Like mm. I'm not sitting there silent anymore. So I pulled up, went to New York for like three months, sat there every day, try to tweak things, rebrand, do whatever it is, set with mm. Morimoto, but it didn't work. So mm. we, we made that the tough decision to kind of just pull the plug and say it was a good effort. Um, mm. But for me, I, I, I look at it as the most, a very, very expensive MBA. Yeah. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah. Coming out of school, your family business is obviously in different industries. There's a hospitality uh, vertical. It would have been very easy to go and basically as the only son to yeah. go into the family business and, and run that as your dad hands over the the keys. Why, why didn't you do that? You know, I grew up always thinking and knowing I, was, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I don't know, may, maybe it was just 
you know, I looked up to my dad and mm. I saw his career and what he did and what he was able to provide us. And um, he did a truly remarkable job starting from almost scratch mm. and building this, this uh, you know, his business empire. He had a trading business that, um, that was his main business. It was mm. general trading and he had his offices in the Far East mm. and he dealt with East Africa. And then he, um, for me, it was always like, you know, I want to eventually work with my dad and I'm the only son. So I'd want to take over or help him and see how we can grow our business. And then, you know, after college, I came back, you know, at post Tribeca Canvas yeah. type thing or in between. And I worked with him and I was, you know, going to Dara, you know, sit doing my shirt, you know, yeah. pants, scene. Like yeah. That's my dad's, you know, yeah. office dress. So I was yeah. like emulating that. I was like, okay, shirt, pants, whatever. I went and I'd sit there and, you know, I learned the ropes a bit, but it wasn't resonating with me. I didn't, mm. you know, I, I got what he did, but for me, after graduating from college and, you know, uh, just seeing a whole different world out there and what possibilities are there, I didn't think that trading and general trading with Africa was was my vibe, right? Um, and I tried it, but it was it was a, a time and a place thing. I think my dad was, you know, in Dubai in the seventy and seventy nine or the eighties, where mm -hmm. the middleman—that's what they could do. Um, he sourced, he supplied, he made these connections and these these great um, business partners and all around East Africa, you know, and, and you know, they spoke to each other in Hindi and the, it was a whole different world mm -hmm. and dealing with Africa is a whole, so whole different type of business, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really think that was for me. And then, and then my dad was actually winding down that side of his business mm -hmm. and then over, as he, a later stage in his career, he had different investments mm -hmm. that he was more passive, which were hospitality mm -hmm. uh, related and some other things. So when I came back, I was join I joined that stuff too, and I kind of just kind of learned, and I and I was helping out in the restaurants, and I was seeing, you know, how uh, what to do and how do I can add value, or, or I go to a different thing of his and and learn and and, and kind of see what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, I was still like very like hungry. Mm -hmm. I, I felt actually antsy after like a two, a year and two years of working with him. And why was, though? Because it's I wanted to do something myself. But why? Like what? What's when you think about doing something yourself, you could have done something yourself under the umbrella of, you know, the the company, but you kind of went out and literally yeah. went and did your your own thing. Um, Look, I'm I'm so fortunate to have like a great support structure and a yeah. foundation that my dad had given. But for me, I just like the challenge of starting something from scratch and seeing how far I could take it. Mm. And I think my business partner had the same mindset, which is why when we connected um it really worked and we were both very hungry very ambitious um but for me i i don't know i i went to an entrepreneurial school babson was an entrepreneurial school mm. i was surrounded myself with rocket pitches and you know everything that to do with business and and venture capital and ideas and incubators that's what babson was about you surround yourself with amazing people from all around the world and they just talk business and some of them come from great family businesses but a lot of the kids come in with a complete different, you know, mindset or a track. They want to do something yeah. else. So they have a startup that they did in, in high school. Um, and they're trying to hone their skills to make it successful after college. It's, I feel like for the next generation of entrepreneurs, if, if you know, the father's been successful or the family's been successful, it's somewhat, that creates a little bit of pressure, right? Because there's like a legacy yeah. uh, that you almost need to kind of... Uh, like a shadow that's been cast that you almost need to kind of step out of or continue. There's, there's no right or wrong answer. Look, right? I have, I have some friends where they're very um, smart and they've come in to their family's business and they're able to really, you know, take control of it or add a different vertical and contribute and grow it. Some of my best friends actually, mm -hmm. and I think that's amazing. I think it's it's mindset like you know some people look and oh it's just your dad's business and stuff but if you're really um, motivated and you're good at what you do and you're you're a smart kid you can really um, level up mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and that's the goal for that that thing my dad his business his trading business was kind of dying down and mm -hmm. winding winding down mm -hmm. and the rest were kind of investments so there wasn't really a business that I could take Go over and, and that was structured enough yeah. that I could grow. Yeah. Um, so I so that's why I had that also that yeah. um, that yearning to, to do something like that where yeah. I could control something yeah. 
I could structure a company and grow it and, 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 and see how it goes. You know, I think you're hitting on a really good point, which is like, I, I agree, you guys are super hungry, right? As you're kind of sitting there working with your dad, you have this itch that you want to go out there, do something. What's the aha moment where you're like, okay, I, I found it now, right? And how do you have the conviction to say, okay, this is what I'm going to go do, right? Especially after after that after the Tribeca <coughs> canvas debacle, look. The good thing is my pops has always been super supportive. Yeah, and I love him for that. He, my mom, I was I was down when we lost yeah. Tribeca canvas. I was really down. I was demotivated, um, upset, and angry. You know, mm. like it can't. How how do you lose quite a significant amount of money so short? Mm. And I tried and try to fix it but it just you know it is you take it on the chin and you move forward and my dad kept saying he's like look it's okay you know, entrepreneurs fail they they succeed and it's all part of business mm. just take what you learn from there and then use that moving forward don't get demotivated you're still young mm. you still have your whole life ahead of you he's, he kept telling me he's like you're lucky it happened to you now rather than maybe later in your career because you're bound to fail at some point that's something that's a reality. And if no one says, if no one accepts that, then they're wrong and they should accept it. Yeah. So for me, the aha, mo it wasn't an aha moment. It was coming back and working and just thinking what to do and whatnot. And, and then, um, was it, was it kind of hospitality? No, restaurant? Yeah, was it, that it, your I, I always wanted to do it, but then I, I kind of retreated, retreated slightly yeah. after that. Yeah. So when I came back, I was, um, looking at different things. And then KD, uh, who was one of my boys at the time, he was in a similar kind of situation in the sense that he was working at Deloitte. You know, it wasn't him. Mm. He was consulting. He didn't. He didn't like this whole like tie. He's not. It's not him. You know him. Yeah. So you know, we'd hang out. Although he does like typing. Types types like, like with this. His fingers. Like yeah. yeah. So he, um, he has hands made for typing. Vigorous typer. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. Those finger muscles are strong. Quite, typer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we we would just shoot the shit and you know. We thought of different companies like let's mm. do something together i was like i'm always down i would love to and we just you know talk about random different things that we'd start you know yeah. um and then one day he came up to me he's like would you get back to the fmb game and i was i started laughing i was like so I this was, is the only industry i was like chosen. I, I was like um i would love to i'm a bit scared but i would love to i would love to if i can control it like not invest because that's just the wrong way and he was like no 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 like i'm down to actually do it with you because you know fmb and I don't mind doing that. I love that too. And then we just started talking and Miss Lily's clicked for both of us. It's something I fell in love with when I was in New York. He loved jerk chicken and wanted to open a jerk chicken restaurant. So when we were talking about Miss Lily's, we were like, it's perfect. So then the whole story started and we tried to get the concept and, and that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And then we took a risk and then I imagine the conversation of, you know, speaking to my, my dad or my mom, whoever, like, yeah. I'm going back into the restaurant game. <laughs> He's like, I, I thought it'd go actually much worse than it did. Yeah. Um, but they were supportive. They were like, you sure? And I was like, you know what? I am sure. And this time I'm going to do it um, and control it and make sure that I approach it in such a clinical manner that, that I won't let it fail. Like I went with, there's no, you know, there's always an if. Yeah. Or when people say you open a restaurant, there's like nine out of 10 fail yeah. or there's a large percentage of you that might, might not make it, accept it. I didn't have that in my mind. I was like, there's zero chance I will yeah. let this fail. I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? After yeah. that, after the first, I was like, no chance. But did that, did that come from being slightly delusional or <laughs> did it come from being um, like social pressure? Like I can't be the guy who had No, I don't think it had anything to do with yeah. social pressure. Yeah. So what do you think drove that like? It was personal. Um, it was almost like, um, how, how do you call it when you're um, I'm losing my word right now it was it was personal and it was like you always want you like to prove myself right I wanted to prove to who to myself okay it was all meant, it was all myself obviously I didn't want to let down anyone again or whatever yeah. but it was it was more for me to kind of prove it to myself that I can do something and I can make it that was the first shot that we took and I missed it I airballed it but this time you I were never a good basketball player I was pretty good bro yeah, but I mean, this desire to, it's like proving yourself, make your dad proud, proving yourself to like, you know, say, when you look in the mirror, say, I can, 
I can what, accomplish like this. Like cool runnings? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Yeah, I mean, what, what's what's the dynamic? Like, prove yourself to to what to who? Like, what's what's that? Where's that coming from? I just wanted it really bad, bro. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Listen, I think there's a big thing where some people just hate to lose. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some people just. I mean, you, you can't be delusional about it, right? Yeah, that's, that's what you're saying. There's always no, no. It's not about delusional. It's about sometimes there's like this fire of like I want to go, yeah, and I want to prove myself. But the underlying dynamic of what's driving that can be many different things. And sometimes like what, it's like some sometimes it could be like I'm super competitive, right? So like for example, for me, I actually hate to lose more than I like to win. Okay. Right, so I hate losing, mm-hmm. and that emotion is bigger to me than the love of winning. Okay, right. So that fuels me a lot. It's like I mean, I, I hate losing too. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the paddle court. Yeah, I play. Yeah, so you're a sore loser. And I'm not a sore loser. Okay, That's the just, difference. Okay, fair. I take it. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, but I bottle it up inside. Yeah, and how, and, what, it, and, what, I, and it makes me practice or get better and I try and get back on the court. What role does fear have to play? In entrepreneurship I think quite a big part I think everybody has to have some sort of fear um, because if you don't then you you could get a bit reckless you know you have to be fearful of failure you should also plan for failure what do you mean an entrepreneur's journey is never smooth okay it can't be and you know maybe there's a few that get very lucky and yeah. they're blessed and they can make it big very quickly and they can retire but if you're taking this journey, there's going to be a point in time where you have, like you said, trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. right? And you need to plan for it, because if you don't and you don't and you don't prepare yourself, whatever whichever way it could be, then um, it'd be very difficult to pick yourself back up. And this is something we've learned. I've learned now after opening two restaurants, going through COVID, losing Tribeca Canvas. If we didn't plan or understand how to be nimble enough as an organization or to be then covid would have been extremely difficult for us and that came out out of the blue it's not like Mm. we were prepared to to close down you guys had you guys had planned for it because i know that you had said before that earlier in the conversation that you had some reserve reserve from miss lily's yeah so this 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 came this this you know this was uh this also helped come from tribeca canvas Mm. knowing knowing that in a restaurant you need to have op- a significant amount of operational cash flow mm. to keep going. So if things are rocky or it takes time to kind of get to where you need to be, you still need to pay your salaries. You still need to pay your rent. You still need mm. to have a cushion. So when we opened up Miss Lily's, that was one of the things we implemented. We said, let's make sure that we keep, no matter if we're successful, no matter how successful we are, we need to make sure that we keep a sufficient amount of reserve cash flow, maybe more than we should have, you know, but we did just to be prudent, mm. just to make sure you never know. And that helped us with, you know, in the long run, with something that was unexpected. No, I love that uh, planning for failure. Uh, you have to. And uh, I, one thing I've been pushing with, with our team a lot uh, this year is um, uh, plan for the best, prepare for the worst. And uh, that way you're kind of using both sides of your of your mind right the one side which is let me capitalize on opportunity mm-hmm. when i see it but then let me be prepared let me be prepared Things for the downside south. yeah i already have the plan ready exactly right i'm not i'm not caught you know with my pants down yeah um <laughs> just gonna let that one slide yeah, it yeah, okay. just, just casually okay fine. no one wants to see you with your pants down so. okay cool I guess if I think about where it all started, uh, I think the first time we met, uh, we were talking, We were it was business studies. Yeah, I and think I was in ninth and you were in 10th. Yeah, 10th grade. And um, even then, the business idea... Johnny Rockets. ...came up with was franchising Johnny Rockets. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Um, we would have made a killing. Killing. I don't know, is it still around? Yeah, I've, I, I order it probably a couple of months couple of times a year really uh, yeah yeah it's still it's still solid i think the last a lot time of haters but i, I think the last time i went to johnny rockers was with you potentially after a night out with anise remember potentially yeah i'm sure i have pictures it was of you it was you it was like, let's go to johnny rockers yeah. okay cool from that age you know a lot of people go to school they they kind of think about i'm gonna graduate i'm gonna get a job like that's the what 90 percent of the population does right and there's nothing wrong with that i i, I did that 
Um, but it was very clear from like a really early, early on in your academic um, tenure that you were already thinking about getting into entrepreneurship. Right. Where do you think that that comes from? Has kind of going down that path of entrepreneurship versus going down the path of... That just has to be my dad. Okay. Plain is, it, is it conversations you guys had growing up? Is it you looking at him? I think it was me looking at him, looking mm. at the different things he did. Mm. Um, understanding that you don't have to be at a nine to five in corporate if you, you know, that's mm. what, that's not what he did. Mm. And it was exciting that you can do different things. Yeah. You can, you don't have to be part of one specific organization. You can invest in here. If you have a passion in this, you can do, but you have to start from somewhere you have to yeah. build. But I, th I saw him and I, and I liked it. And I, and I thought that, and I thought that of, as the only son, I would also eventually join him mm. or, be a part of the business or mm. help him grow whatever he's done. So I think from a very young age, knowing that I'm the only son and my, I would want to help support my dad and grow with him or add value to his business, mm. that was one of the things that I already kind of had ingrained in my back. My dad said, go go get a job or, and then mm. you can eventually always come back and work with me. But then also when I graduated, it was 2008 in the financial crisis, which good was also to, difficult. Yeah, good time to graduate. Yeah. So I think from a young age, it was it was... Did that create any like pressure or did it create fuel? I don't know. I think it was a mix of both, yeah. to be honest with you. Fuel as in I'm I'm excited to to come back and take this foundation, whatever I have, and see where we can what, what I can do mm -hmm. to it. Pressure in the sense that my dad was successful. I you know, I was the only son, so I had quite a lot on my shoulders mm. coming out of college. I thought that I have a lot of responsibility or I have some big shoes to mm -hmm. fill. Did you ever have those discussions with your with your dad or? It was more my mom. Okay. I think I had those discussions with my mom. Yeah, it's crazy how um, you know they they say it takes a village to raise a kid. And yeah. It's crazy how like you know I, I've kind of been toying with this idea recently where like in the in your twenties you're like figuring out who the hell you are. Right. In the thirty in your thirties you're starting to uh, get tweaking the who I am and starting to get comfortable with, with who I am. So like starting to get comfortable in, in my own skin. Okay. And um, so I think in that 20s, all those experiences we have are important on a professional level, but also on a personal level, because I think they help shape those experiences, help us to start shape who we are we going to are become. going to become, yeah. Right, in our 30s. And um, like, and what, I, like what, what experience for you or like which... Special experience, I, you think? I think it's a series of, I don't think there's one experience, right? I think there's, I think it's everything from small things to big things that end up shaping, yeah. shaping the person we become, right? Like if I look at university, I mean, I went and studied engineering, um, but university for me was a lesson in life, not a, not a, a career path. was not a, yeah, it was not something that built the foundation for sure. my, my career. Sure, sure, sure. And um, so I know, I know a lot of people hate on, on university and, the academic system and to some degree I, I agree with them but for me it was a life experience and that's really helped shape who, who I've become but the reason I bring it up is I think in the context of I think it's really important to have that support system right right and kind of have like you were saying having your mom and I guess now your your wife and and um, I think one common thread with almost every entrepreneur I talk to or most most is having that support system, the co-founder, because, you know, that saying it's lonely at the top, it's true. <laughs> it is true. Like when things are going down, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of people you can share it with. No, there's not. Yeah. And I think that we have these moments, especially now in the last two years with yeah. COVID, mm. where it's really difficult and mm. challenging. And if you, like you said, if you're alone and mm. you don't have that many people to share it with, it'd be tough. You bottle it up. You There's so many times when there's, I can, I can count, there's so many times yeah. where shit hits rock bottom for us or it's not going the right way or something happens or whatever it is and we're driving back, me and KD, yeah. from like a like a really long meeting that was terrible or it didn't go the right way with the landlord or whatever and we're yeah. just defeated in the car. We're just looking at each other and we're like, happy to have you, bro. He's like, you too, man. He's like, thank God. Fist bump each other, keep going. Yeah, you guys are big uh, fist bumpers. We're, we're that, fist bumpers. Uh, I think I'm more of a high fiver. Okay. 
Um, I mean, but now with COVID, I'm, the times, now, now with yeah, COVID, it's a fist, fist bumping for yeah, sure. Yeah. There's obviously the dynamic of you've learned a lot in the hospitality space. You've gone kind of through some, through, through some highs uh, and, and through some lows. It would kind of be easy to say, I'm gonna, we're gonna sit back now, stabilize the ship, mm-hmm. and keep going, right? Um, and kind of b- keeping that foundation afloat. Um, but from what I know about you guys. You're already looking at what do we do next? Yeah, look, I think when we started, we opened up Miss Lily's not really knowing or thinking that we would continue in hospitality. It was a restaurant that we had passion about. And we said, let's see where it takes us. Once, when, when it was really successful, we realized that we were onto something and we both loved it. So then we said, let's start a hospitality company and let's, let's, try and grow and see what else we can do. So we did Indochine. Mm. But we were always, we always had this roadmap and we always had this idea of where we'd want to be or how many restaurants or what we're looking at next. And we'd have these conversations with our business partner, Serge Becker. Mm. And we'd always brainstorm and talk about new ideas, new concepts, what's next, what's next, etc. And then COVID hit, which shelved everything. And then during COVID, we looked at each other year two. Year one was like kind of hit us like a left hook. We didn't Mm. know what the hell hit us. We were dealing with our own staff, figuring out how not to fire people and how to keep everyone, all the family together. What did you learn about that uh, uh, in in that time about showing up and uh, showing up and managing the team? I, I actually think the biggest lesson there is effective communication. And I think that's another trait that an entrepreneur needs to have to mm. be successful when you're building a team. Because you need to make sure that the people you have are well taken care of. They understand the vision through ups and downs. And there's a clear communication because that can lead to doubt. That can lead to people being scared, fearful, making rash decisions. So for us, when, when everything went crumbling and COVID got locked down, we had to be present. We had to come up. We had to strategize what we're going to exp- explain to the team, how, what, what we're going to do with the team. Do we let yeah. people go? Do we not? Do we unpaid leave? There was a million things. The way we do it. So we had to sit down, game plan, and then we brought our entire team together from both restaurants, you know, in, you know each restaurant at a time. It was almost 90 people almost at mm. this point. You know? And we had to really clearly communicate with them and, and, and explain to them, this is the situation. This is how yeah. we're going to take care of you. This is what's in store. And that we have, you know, the open lines of communication are there to us at any time in case they have questions or doubts or they're yeah. worried. And how, how do you balance that with um, people freaking out? You know what I mean? So you can be transparent and say, hey, it may feel like the ship is sinking. It's obviously a tough time. We got your back. But then people can also start to freak out and, you know, jump ship. You just need to be confident and positive. And if you're that pillar of strength that they could kind of, they can, if, if you have your composure and you seem to know it's, that everything's under control, mm-hmm. then, you know, they can, they feed off that energy. If as a leader, if you're freaking out mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're scatterbrained, you don't know what you're doing, and you're not mm-hmm. clear in what you're saying, then they have every right to follow suit and, and think mm-hmm. it's a bit unstable, right? So you have to be very confident, clear, and, 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 and give them assurance. Anything you would have done differently, uh, the way you managed? There are a few things. I mean, you know, you, you never do anything perfect. Mm. Um, in hindsight, we, we, we didn't want to let go of anybody. A lot of people did. Mm. A lot of restaurateurs trimmed down. And financially, that may have been a little smarter move, not looking back at it. But emotionally, and we're so, we preach family to our team. Mm. So we made a decision that we didn't want to let go of anybody. Because we also thought it was going to be a short time. COVID might last two months. COVID last might, you know, it might last. We don't know how long it's going to last. So we we came to a decision, um, unanimous decision of our team, saying let's keep everybody, and not you know they go on unpaid leave because we're shut down, mm. but we'll take care of their housing and their their food. So all the essentials are there. It's just buckle down, bear with us, and that's how we're going to navigate. And we thought in our mind that people are laying off staff and we don't want to be that people Mm. 
And one thing, when things pick up, hopefully in two months or a month, whatever, we'll still have our original teams. Yeah. We'll still be in a position to really push. That was our mindset, right? You never need to let, you never want to let people go. It's never a nice feeling. But sometimes when you look at, you have to make tough decisions based on the business. But we didn't. But then it lasted. But that also defines the culture of the company now. Right? Yeah, like, like like I mentioned to you, we really preach family. Yeah. And we handpick every single one of our people, including the bathroom attendant. We interview them. We make mm-hmm. sure that they they ha- they have that nice sense of hospitality that we want to give to our guests. But we digressed. I was I was telling you just that, on that point. Hold yeah. up. I think culture is defined in the in the hardest times, right? Yeah. Uh, and. I think you've always preached family and what you guys did with the restaurant. That's when you put the pedal to the metal, right? That's really when you say we've been preaching family, but the way we act now has to be like family, family, right? You and don't so just cut your family at the, when things get tough. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we didn't. Yeah. So you guys are, um, now you guys had a bunch of success with lilies. You guys Say let's we're on something to do in Dushin. You guys are brainstorming. You were telling oh, yeah, the story, and then I cut you off. No, it's fine. No, I was just saying that we buckled down for the first year, and yeah. then we strategized for the next. And we we sat down, put pen to paper, put down different restaurants and ideas what we wanted to do. And we always thought we wanted to create our own concept. Third, yeah. that was the idea. Um, and uh, we, you know, got on the phone with our business partner in New York, um, and we started brainstorming ideas. And we have stuff up our sleeve and we, mm. we planned and we took advantage of some opportunities during mm. COVID that we could have. Uh, and yeah, we have some exciting things in the pipeline now. But how do you manage, you know, the foundation is not maybe super stable yeah, right? because of COVID and, you know. That's where I'm in right now. It's yeah. a very difficult time. Yeah, but managing that. And still thinking of something still else. Still thinking about something else. Like how do you, because there's two different parts of the brain. One is like. Creative. One's creative, opportunistic. The other side of the brain is like operational, clinical, clinical, and survival, f- survival fear, right? So like, yeah. how do you go from like, the lions are going to eat me to I am the lion? Why do you think every time you call me at the end of the week, I'm done? Yeah. I'm defeated. Yeah. Because we're going through like all these different things. Yeah. It's a bit too much actually at this point, but I think with our support structure and with our team and our foundation, I think we're, we'll be okay. Yeah, but how do you manage that? Like, how do you, how do you... You just got to be organized. I think mm. you can't do everything at once, which is something that we've also learning. Structure is everything. We learned that from the first restaurant to the second restaurant. We thought it would be a piece of cake just to open another one, but it was very difficult. Um, creating that structure for the restaurant group is probably the most important thing that you can, you need to do before growing. So we have that team now, and we're trying to implement all of these. Mm. But in terms of how do I manage... Uh, myself mm. um, how do you manage your mindset right how do you manage that hey there's this are there things you have to do to switch from one gear to the to the honestly next? no i'm just on full six gear we're just yeah. juggling things and that's why you know if it's K- katie's doing something i'm doing another stefan's doing we, we need to be a little bit more definitive in what we do i think can make things life easier but we don't we need to get into that eventually and, and if i think kind of about your story I mean, there's definitely a passion for, there's definitely something you're passionate about. Is that what helps you get up every every morning to go tackle the day? Is there, some, is there a bigger uh, headline that, that gets you, keeps you going? What, what kind of drives you? You know, it's like, I think it's just, there are small moments mm. throughout my career where I can, I can pause and if I snapshot at that moment, yeah. and it makes everything worthwhile. Because okay. you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it can be really, really bad and really tough. Yeah. But then there's certain times where you can take a step back and everything is amazing and it's working perfectly and everybody in the venue is having an insane time and people are coming up to you and they're like, "I, I love what you do. Your restaurant's amazing." Or it's this is really something special what you guys are doing. And then it makes things, you know, it makes you feel really happy and it makes it all that hard work and and it makes it worthwhile. Yeah. So remembering these moments and 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 seeing friends in the venue and we have a wild time and we you give me a high five you're like yo this is wild mm. like that's exciting for me because like it, it fuels me it keeps me going. So so what gets you kind of high is seeing other people. Yeah, of course it's hospitality. You yeah. want to make sure that all your guests, everybody who comes into the venue, 
as an amazing experience and they just leave with a huge smile on their face and from the service to the food to the vibe to the music it was on point and how do you keep that you know now that you have a couple of uh, years into it how do you keep that going right like how do you you know miss Lee's is your first baby the mm-hmm. is your second how do you manage yourself in a way where you don't lose sight of one it's tough you have to balance and we're only now really trying so when you when you open a restaurant you have to really put a lot of love and energy into it to make sure that things are consistent from everything from the small details so we did that with Lily's when it was easier because it was just one restaurant so we yeah, were able to be there you guys were there all. every day yeah. it was nuts we were there we lived breathed sweat you know, led Lily's mm. and thankfully that you even ended up marrying uh an Indian girl who has Jamaican uh, her mom grew up in Jamaica yeah so that's how into Lily's you were <laughs> yeah exactly how ironic by the way yeah and when I tell that story people are like really you planned it I was like no it was literally just a fluke yeah but so what so where were we at we were talking about managing both making mm-hmm. sure things are consistent so when you had Lily's it was obviously it was easy right yeah. and then and then Indochine happened and we're trying to juggle both and but you still can't let one go down it's about it's a balancing act it's about putting the structures in place and thankfully Lily's was like a well-oiled machine by this mm. point and mm. another thing which we did by the way which is a I think was quite beneficial to us minus COVID right let's not talk about COVID was we grew organically we weren't the type of people that opened one and then within the first year was successful and said let's open another one or two more because mm. I think that would have been disastrous. Learning even after having a foundation of lilies and going to Indochine and still facing difficulties. I could have only imagined if we were a bit rash and said, let's open one next year because we're successful. So pacing, organizing yourself and the, and the engine, which is like the foundation and stuff, mm-hmm. like getting that right will help you grow. I keep saying that because it's so important. And I learned, we learned that the hard way. So for us now, Lilies is like a, it's like a well-owned machine. It's going. We have a great team there. Some of them from the originals, and we're really blessed to have them. So we can spend less time at Lilies now and give more focus and energy into Indochine, mm. which needs that love that we put into Lilies at the beginning. So we still make it a point to go to Lilies once, twice a week. Me, Katie, whatever. But mm. a lot of our time now is making sure that we're getting Indochine to the level where Lilies was, where it's it's going, and that takes time and that takes a lot of energy. I can imagine in, in your industry, it's like you, in, when you think about growth, you know, growing the group, growing the business, it's like you pour in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into a restaurant, gets to a certain point, and you have to go do that again. Yeah. Right? So it's like you're, you have to kind of put in. And I, I, can't, way, I can't imagine the next restaurant's easier than the first. It, does, it never gets easier. Yeah. There's always challenges. Something happens. Just each project is just as difficult. Yeah. So then, what's the north start? Like if like every time you open a new project, it's exciting. But you know you're gonna go through the shit to open it. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. We're not naive. No. Yeah. We chose this industry. Yeah. It's very challenging, but the end product is worth it if you get it right. What's that moment where, when you open a restaurant and you're like, "This is the moment I've been waiting for." I I, I guess it depends on each restaurant. Like that Gucci party was yeah. the moment we were waiting for. The moment you didn't know that was coming. We were like, Whoa. yeah, such a relief, like sick. For Lily's it was different. For Lily's it would have been when it was packed and we started getting these celebrities walking in left, right and center. Yeah. And we were meeting all our idols and all our people that we like follow since we were young. and Like Shaggy. Shaggy was there. Um, Floyd Mayweather. Bella Hadid. Waiting for people, that one. A lot of people. It was cool. Your boy, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Knowing that there's that amount of energy that needs to go into every restaurant, um, what's your North Star? Like, where, where, are you, where are you going? Where are you headed? In terms of, like, our company? In terms of your company or, like, when you think about, you know, Varun in 20 years or VKD Hospitality in 20 years, what does that look like? You know, I think we want to we wanna grow um, and be a real big force to reckon in the hospitality industry and be mm-hmm. a big player. And we're also looking to expand internationally eventually. So that's the goal. The goal is to really solidify ourselves here and have all our restaurants operating successfully 
and then perhaps move to a different uh, territory, maybe like London or there's that's that's what we want to do. So we're still in infancy, if you ask me. It's yeah. really, it feels like I've been doing this for so long. <laughs> but if you look at our entire roadmap and where we want to be, I'd love to open a hotel. That's yeah. my that's my goal. Like I would love to do, get into a hotel. That's my like. That's the that's the north star for me. Yeah. Imagine, but like a like a chilled one, not like these like a like a beach, not like a Atlantis or no 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 no, no. something cool something, something something special. I heard you say a couple of things in the in the discussion today that you know really kind of I'm walking away with one especially plan for failure mm-hmm. um, and be nimble. I think the discussion around, you know, culture is defined in the hardest of times um, and what you guys did with the family there. And then I think another one around when things get tough, you know, remembering the wins and using that as fuel to keep going is, is a, another massive one. I've loved the conversation because, you know, we get an opportunity to talk every weekend, yeah. but it's usually less deep than this. So I've I've had a ton of fun and I've learned you know, a lot more about, you know, one of my best friends. So uh, appreciate I appreciate it, you taking, taking the time and what you guys are doing is not easy, but I'm proud of seeing you guys um, learn from it first and foremost. And then uh, I love seeing that the passion is still there. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. Take it easy. My man. Thank you.